Hey, let's get into this. Hey, do you like my new birthday watch? It's not my birthday, but it's my new birthday watch. And it's, given, it's got a timer on it, so I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit the go button, but I'm not going to tell you how long I'm timing it for. <laughs> no, 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 we'll behave. We'll be all right. Hey, at the start of another year, it's always good to get yourself set. There's a lot of things that everyone's been busy doing over the last few weeks to get themselves all set and orderly and with a sense of, you know, this year is in front of us. It may be in your relationships in their home, it might be in your workplace, it may be skills that you need to get tooled up on, things that you need to get in place. Diaries are good usually, you know, plan things out, get a sense of what's coming up, what do I need to be thinking about, praying about, organising my life towards, what's Jesus asking us to do as individuals and as a family. And in the middle of all of that, one of the things that tends to happen is that you can get um, well, I find I can get very caught up in this very small picture of my life, and I get very, to, to use a word, myopic. In other words, I kind of, it becomes very all about me and what's right in front of me and this very moment, and actually there's a whole bunch of stress, struggle, and anxiety about this very thing, let alone the big picture of what's going on in my life and what's God doing in his kingdom and how am I partnering with him. And so I was sitting down <laughs> I was sitting down in Geelong last Saturday morning and uh I went for, I went for a run and then I sat down on the beach and I had this big list of things as to why I was in Melbourne that I just thought I'd let God know about. And so I was like, "Hey God, uh you know, I'm here and I've got to do deal with this, 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 this and I just let the list go." Just and um and I said, and more's to the point, I know you know that, but I need you to know I would like to hear from you on a few of those things <laughs> so that I can navigate the week that's in front of me. And the father was incredibly, like, he came at this a whole different way than the way I was expecting. But all of a sudden I heard the voice of God and he just gently said to me, he said, that's great, Kirk. Yes, you have that in front of you. And yes, you're right, I, I, I have all of that in mind, in my relationship with you, but I want you to give all of that to me. And I want you to spend a little bit of time writing a letter to someone that's important to you. And at first I was jolted. I was like, are you for real, God? Don't you understand what I'm having to deal with? Can't you understand the sense of like, um, uh, well, like the pressure that's involved in this life circumstance that you've asked me to step into? And God was like, yes, I, I, I'm aware of that and I know you're aware of that and I'm, but I want you to give all that to me and I want you to write a letter to someone that you love. And so I spent two and a half, the next two and a half hours writing a letter to someone who's incredibly precious to me. And I was just able to share with them my heart. And then I said, well, once I finished that, I said, well, Lord, I guess I'm just going to have to trust you for all of that other stuff that I'm concerned about right now. And he said, yeah, you can do that. You can trust me. You know, at times in our daily life, with all of the things that we're trying to navigate, be it our work or our families or our finances or our dreams and hopes in God and and even, you know, circumstances of, 
of difficulty and, and, and grief, unplanned grief and all sorts of situations where all of a sudden we can become very myopic, very drilled down, very focused and like, come on, God, you've got to deal with this. Otherwise, everything else is not going to play out right. And God wants to reassure us that he is on a big work where he's got it all sorted and he's inviting us to partner with what the Father is doing in the power of the Spirit, not what our anxiety wants God to be busy about. Are you hearing me? I think I'm not the only one that sort of journeys in that space and longing for the freedom that we sung about to this morning in worship and uh, with Jesus as Lord. And so at the start of this year, I just want to take a little bit of time this morning to just say, let's, let's, just, reset, let's just reset the focus. Let's just let all of the things that are pressing on us and that are anxious on us and that want and are jumping up and down and demanding our attention to get resolved, let's just, let's just give all of that to the Lord. Because Jesus said, my burden is light. And we're going to let Jesus come around us again and we're going to hand all that to him and we're just going to be about what he, what the Father wants to do in his kingdom activity. I'll never forget the moment that Nicole and I, when we first not only heard the message of the kingdom of God, but we saw the message of the kingdom of God. We both heard it and we saw it. We've heard someone do some teaching once and they said that the king, they took that text from Mark chapter one and they said the kingdom of God is here now. Jesus' first sort of public message, Mark one. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Change the way you think about God. Change the way you're doing life. Turn around and believe, that is, live out the good news of the message that God's kingdom has now come into the earth in the person of Jesus. I thought that was really the Holy Spirit this morning when Bruce was mid-song and he just had to burst out this, the kingdom is here, the kingdom of God is at hand, the rule and reign of Jesus, that, that, that palpable sense of God's on the move and he's making himself known. And, and as Bruce was leading us this morning, he was getting caught up into that. And there was a few moments there where I was like, I don't know if you're going to make it through this set, Bruce, because the Spirit of the Lord was coming over him and he was coming alive to God in the midst of that. I was just like, oh, that's so wonderful. Thank you, Lord. But at the start of the year, we look at this world, we look at our lives, and often we go, things are not as we think they should be. And that's a fair assessment. It, 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 things are not as they should be. For some of us, we've been praying for a long time for healing in our bodies and they're still not healed. Well, it shouldn't be like that because if God's kingdom has come in the lordship of the person of Jesus Christ and with him all of the future age and all of the benefits of that kingdom, then it's not right that we walk about in sickness. And that is true. It's not right. The justice and the justness of God carries that. At the same time, we see our friends and family and even governments and, and situations where we look at the way the world is being ruled and reigned and we go, that's just not God. 
It's not Jesus. And at the same time, when we pray with people, sometimes we pray with people, and this last, this last week I got the opportunity to pray with a whole bunch of strangers. Well, they're not strangers, they're extended vineyard family, but people who I don't do life with on a regular, regular basis. And all of a sudden, God was letting us in on their lives and his spirit came with great power and we saw them get great measures of healing and freedom and joy restored to their lives. I was like, yeah, now that's what it's meant to be like, God. That is what it's meant to be like. And so we live between these two ends of reality where it shouldn't be like that and it should be like that. Now, one of the things that we tend to want to do is, as um, good Westerners, because we've been groomed with good educational opportunities, we've been groomed with great capacity to think, and we've been groomed with the capacity to earn monies and make resources and make plans and make decisions for our lives and make them happen. And so we've been given this opportunity to do that in this country in many forms and ways. But we always come up against the stump when things don't go the way that we think they should. And we realise there's more at play here than just my ability to make my world seem like it's orderly. There's something bigger going on. And God's inviting me to walk with him in the middle of all of that. I want to quickly just remind us of the simplicity and the centrality of Jesus' message in Mark 1. But before we get there, it's really important that you hold on to this at the start of a year because I'm telling you now, everything I'm going to speak to you in the next 10 minutes, it's going to get tested and hounded and shouted down through circumstance, through demonic opposition and through the soulish brokenness of human beings. Everything I'm about to tell you in the next 10 minutes, it's going to get tested. And it's really important that you get some infrastructure in your faith in place to be able to navigate this with God and each other in the power of the Holy Spirit. Firstly, it's really important to understand when things are under the pump, when things are not as they should be, and we're contending for things to be as they should be in God, in Jesus, in the here and the now, it's important that we understand the big Bible narrative and spiritual dynamic. And that is, in Genesis 1, we see that God has made all things good. And uh, God, God saw all that he made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. The biblical account is that the whole thing, it's God's. Heaven, earth, creation, it's all God's. It belongs to him. And it's important to hang on to that. And yet, if you continue to read the biblical account, you get into about only three chapters in, and it looks like the whole thing has gone awry. All of a sudden, sin and death have had its way on God's good creation. We live in that circumstance of a good God who is now on mission to fix his creation and his created order, and everyone within in what he has done through Jesus. God's on mission, and he's inviting us all to come back into his good work. 
Now, the thing is, the Bible tells us that we actually live in two ages at the one time. Now, this is really hard to resolve most days because it feels incredibly tense. Because some days we want it to be all, and we see the kingdom of God come, and it's all as it should be. When we pray with great effect, we see the authority of God's kingdom come, and we go, yes, it's all as good as, as it should be, according to the Lord. And then 15 minutes later, we're confronted with something else that is not like it should be, and we find ourselves in this place of great testing and great tension. I think I don't know that I'm the only one that walks in that space in the course of an hour each day. But some days there's great breakthrough and then hot on the tail there's like great it seems like the kingdom is a long long way off. But we live in these two ages the scriptures tell us. We live in this present age. Grace and peace to you Galatians 1 3 to 4. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. We live in that age. It's not all as it should be. And yet God is busy rescuing people from sin into his good kingdom. And yet at the same time, The writer to the Hebrews says, It's impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. So what Paul, sorry, not Paul, the writer to the Hebrews is saying is that we, in meeting Jesus, have tasted heaven on earth. Everything as it should be. Sin is forgiven. Relationships restored. God is reconciled, reconciling us to himself and to each other. There's economic favour. There's inbreakings of mercy and grace that despite our best efforts, we find ourselves walking in favour because of the kindness of God. Everything is right as it should be. And so we find ourselves living, having tasted of the future powers of the age to come. Now, the future powers of the age to come, if you want to get an even better picture of that, go into the book of Revelations and you just see this amazing, amazing thing where God says, and I will wipe away every tear and there will be no more sin, no more pain, no more death. And so when we're praying now in this present age, we're inviting the age, the power of the ages to come, where there is no sin, no, no death, no, no pain, to break into this age. And so we live in this space. What's a kingdom? Well, we in Australia, we automatically tend to think, particularly because it's probably on the news as well a bit lately, is, is Harry and uh, Megan, they're getting married soon, but uh, we tend to think of royalty, we tend to think of kingdom, we tend to think of kings and queens that reign over geographies and certain land spaces and so forth. But here in the scriptures, when Jesus thought and taught of kingdom, he had a much, much bigger picture than just that. Than just that. What do we see when Jesus 
comes and says he is the king. Well, Jesus comes along and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, it's literally about that far away from you and me. If you just stretch out your hand, there is the good news of the kingdom of God, literally within reach of every human being on planet Earth and for creation itself. So Jesus is grown up, good Hebrew man, of the understanding that in his situation, he had grown up and been groomed by this hope that had been articulated by the prophets. And even as the prophets reflected on the kings of Israel in their different seasons, and in all of that, Jesus is caught up in the understanding that with the king coming, it was the establishment that the prophets had prophesied God would come, God would restore all things, God would walk with his people just like back in the garden and there would be restoration of relationship with God and creation and all within. There would be a ridding of evil and that God is the true king and the creator of the whole world. And when I say world, I mean heaven and earth. That is the world, not just the earth. The Hebrew picture is heavens and the earth. So when Jesus comes along, let me quickly read to you a bit of that prophetic hope from Isaiah 61. This is, and In fact, this is the scripture that Jesus grabs on his first day in church as a 30-year-old man and the Spirit of God's fallen on him and he's come in the, in the power of the Spirit and he says, Yo, good news, listen up, people. And he says this, he grabs this prophetic hope of what it's going to look like when God comes. And he says, he takes the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 61 and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointing me to preach good news to the poor. He is sending me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoner, and to proclaim the favor of the year of God and the vengeance of our God to comfort everyone who mourns and to provide for all of those who grieve in Zion and to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Did you like that this morning in in worship? I think you all left your despair at the door because all I was hearing was garments of praise. Good on your church. Well done. Um, and that they will be oaks of righteousness, a planting of God for the display of his splendor. They'll rebuild ancient ruins and restore places long devastated. They will renew ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd their flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord, and you will be named ministers of God, and you will feed on the wealth of nations and the riches on their riches you will boast. And instead of shame, my people will receive a double portion. So this is Isaiah's prophesying till people have been defeated and broken and ashamed by the world. They've been shamed and shunned. And God's saying, Don't worry. I'm going to come and I'm going to send a Messiah, a servant, an anointed one who's going to restore all things and make it wonderful in my rule and reign and time again. So Isaiah 61 goes on and on and on. And the other one, which I want want to quickly read to you, is Psalm 24, which we sang. We sang this morning. I'm like singing this song. and I'm like, where have I heard that? And I'm like, 
Of course. It's in Psalm 24. I've been reading it this morning. Psalm 24. This is the worldview of Jesus. The earth is the Lord's and everything within it. Everything. The world and all who live in it, for he founded upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in this holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by false, swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God our Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God. This is the bit we sang. Lift up your heads, O you gates. In other words, King David here is prophesying and speaking into both the spirit realm and the natural realm, and he is saying, move aside, because the kingdom of God is at hand and it is about to break in, and the anointed one, the anointed one is about to come. Stand aside and let the kingdom come. Lift up your gates that the king of glory might come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors. I love it when the sky opens up and underlines the Bible. But this is the worldview of Jesus. So Jesus arrives on the scene with this understanding of, I'm stepping into a time of prophetic hope and restoration of God in the earth, the heavens and the earth. And he comes along and he says, the kingdom of God is now here. What does that kingdom coming look like? Looks like this. Luke 4, Jesus said, where everything that is wrong is made right, where everything unjust is removed and the justness of God is restored, where love and mercy fill the earth, even as God's presence would fill the earth with his glory. All sickness and disease would be gone and God would walk with his people once again, just like in the garden and just like Jesus said in John 10, I'm a good shepherd and my sheep know my voice on a daily basis of what it means to walk with God. So Jesus' understanding is this, and then he comes along and he makes this declaration. That kingdom and that king has come. And Jesus demonstrates this kingdom in everything he says and everything he does. And so here we find ourselves living in the reality that Jesus is the king right now. He couldn't be more king than king. He is king. That's a hard thing to really get a nub on and hold on to because there are still things that look like they are not when Jesus is king. And yet we also live in the power of, of the future age, as Hebrews reminds us. We live in the power of everything that is still yet to come. A couple of weeks ago, I said, we, we read Matthew chapter 11, uh, and, and uh, uh, no, Luke 11 and Matthew 6, where Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to see if I can use this little red dot thing. Here it is. Woo! 
This technology stuff's awesome. So, thy kingdom come. So we're living in here on this line, living along. So there's Jesus, the Jesus event. We're living in here and we're waiting for the fulfilment of his return. And when we're praying, Jesus says, ask the Father to bring everything that's up here now into here. And so we invite the kingdom to come. And that's where we see great miracles break forth. That's where we see great deliverance take place. That's where we see forgiveness of sin. That's where we see restoration of relationship. That's where we see everything that's meant to look like up here. Oop, let me go back. Up here at this end of town. I don't know where I'm going. But anyway, up at that end of town, it's now in our daily life. But at the same time, we are living in the present evil context where it's when we pray for the kingdom to come, there is a demonic resistance that is at work to that kingdom coming. And so we have these moments called spiritual warfare. Make sense? <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm hoping it does. So we live, and I've used this illustration many times, we live between the times, D-Day and V-Day. D-Day, the day that the Allied forces in World War II said, we are now making the great press across the channel and into Europe, and we are going to come against the, um, the German forces, the Nazi forces. And as on that day, the great press was given, the, 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 the mobilisation of armies and air force and everyone in between. The Allied forces got loosed onto Europe. Now, that was on uh, June the 6th, 1944. The day, though, that the Nazi forces surrendered unconditionally was not until some nearly 12 months later. And they called that V-Day, Victory Day. But they said that the day the war was won was D-Day. The day that God established his kingdom and said, that's it, I'm making everything right, is in the birth, life, ministry, death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus as king. That's where God's saying, that's it. That's, it's D-Day for the enemy. It is D-Day for the demonic forces. I have loosed my love plan. I am fulfilling the prophet's hope. Here it is once and for all. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the anointed one, the prophetic Messiah is here now, done. But between Jesus coming and his return, we have a battle to fight. We're waiting for V-Day. But every time we pray, get this, every time we pray, and this is why Jesus said, hey, listen, guys, I'm just going to put something in your toolkit here that is going to frustrate the enemy and save the world. Every time you pray, bring your kingdom. He's, he's loosing the power of V-Day in the D-Day of your everyday. The powers of the age to come. Now, we live <laughs> in the tension of all of that. Historically, there's people in the church that want to just live at one end of that and say, 
no, we just need to hang on, bunker down. Nothing's going to change until God comes again. So don't bother fighting. Don't bother, um, you know, doing the works of Jesus. And they even deny the, the works and the power of the Holy Spirit today. They said, oh, no, all of that's been closed off since we've got the scriptures. There's one end of the church that hangs down there. And then there's another end of the church that hangs up the other end of town and they're like, it's victory day every day, come on, it's victory, victory, victory. And they deny the fact that it's not. We want it because we, we hate tension. We hate tension in our relationships. We hate tension in our economic circumstances. We hate tension in the fact that I'm meant to be healed, but I'm not. We hate tension. And we want to resolve it. And what we tend to do is we want to push, push away one end and live in the other. Or push away the other and live in the end. Vineyard people, kingdom of God vineyard people, we're prepared to walk in the tension. That's who God's made us to be and called us to be as a unique representation of his people in the earth. We're not afraid of standing where the kingdom is not. And calling for the kingdom to make everything right. And even in the face of when it doesn't turn right, that doesn't mean our king is not king. Because he owns it all. The heavens and the earth. And all things are being reconciled to him and will be reconciled to him. And at the end of the end, all knees will bow and acknowledge Christ is Lord. There might be some circumstances that you're in right now where you're finding yourself praying for the kingdom to come because things aren't like what God says they should be. It may be you're interceding for other nations right now where there is war and strife and evil men rule ruthlessly with power and strip the people of their dignity and your heart is for those places and nations. For some of you right now, you're working and serving in situations where it's like it's not right that young women all over this planet are trafficked and you want to give yourself to the cause of making justice reign in that situation and mobilising resources for that end. For some of you, you're, you're looking and you're saying, God, use my life to be one that's an illustration that somehow says family is a good thing in a time and a place in an era where family is broken and devastated and smashed and most people have ever given up on the idea of having a healthy family experience. God's calling us as the people of the kingdom to enter into those places and stand with Jesus in them and invite his kingdom to come and win people to the cause and the reality of God's good rule and reign. Am I making sense this morning? Our discipleship experience is this. We are partnering with God. Note the order. <laughs> we are partnering with God. <laughs> Not the other way around. He's aware of your concerns. He loves you. He couldn't demonstrate that any more than he already has in the sending of his son Jesus. In his taking his life and our sin upon himself so that we might, through his resurrection, be set free both now and forevermore and live freely. God loves us. And has clearly demonstrated that to us with great generosity. 
But we're partnering with him to establish what he's busy about doing, which is bringing his kingdom into the earth, just like it is in heaven. That's why he told us to pray, your kingdom, Father, the powers of the age to come, where everything that's is, is made right in you. Lord, Father, release that today in my circumstances. Let me partner with you in where you want your kingdom to break in. And we see it like this in Luke 4.18. This is our discipleship journey. We get to do. If you're struggling to figure out what's a disciple, it's be like Jesus. And that's what the Father has for all of us. He's making us into the likeness of his Son because Jesus is true human being walking in relationship with the restoring work of God. And when we see Jesus, we go, we too get to walk in relationship with God and others just like Jesus. That's what we've been invited into. But we've also been invited into the battle of that as well. We get to tell people good news. You know, I had some just such an amazing encounter this week with some folk in Melbourne and in the, in the context of some really... I mean, gutsy, honest, transparent conversations where people are trying to figure out how do we do this together. This one, one person just put on the table all of their sin, their attitude towards the people that they were sitting across the room from. And they said, I'm sorry, but you need to know I've been harbouring this and thus and so about you. And I'm asking that you might forgive me so that I can be set free and that you can be set free from my sin against you. Incredible humility in that moment. And I'm just like, yes, this is it. This is where the kingdom is about to break in. And so I said to the person that made that confession to the other, I said to the other, I said, what do you want to do with that that you've just heard? And they said, I want to forgive them. I said, well, get busy. And they just stood up and walked across and said, I forgive you. And then they hugged and they held and they cried and wept. And I'm just like, what does the rest of you in this room want to do right now? And they're all like, we want in on what's going on over there. I said, well, get busy. So they all got out of their chairs and just reached towards and prayed and joined in what the Spirit of God was doing in making everything that was wrong right. So that through the courage and the grace and the humility of this group of people, they would be like oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord that the for the display of God's splendor. So that when other people look at them, they go, this is it. This is God. I want a God like they have. Friends, good news. And the thing that I loved in the middle of all of that, I had the privilege and the joy of standing and watching God do something miraculous. And then I was able to say, you know what? Your sin is forgiven. Forgiven. There's no more needing for it. It's done. Reconciliation has been done. 
in Jesus. It was, it was just like really awesome to be a part of. I knew at the moment, that moment, I was walking in the fullness of the kingdom. We get to preach good news to people. We get to forgive sin. We get to heal the sick. We get to drive out demons. We get to do Luke 4.18. We get to speak truth to the powers. We get to be a voice of justice. We get to care for the poor and the outcast and, and let the outcast know God sets the lonely in families. Come on. Come join ours. Come join ours. We're a, we're a crazy crew, but we love God and he loves us and there's a place for you. Come, come on. Come join our family. The kingdom of God is at hand. Bill Jackson, a vineyard pastor who passed away not long ago, a theologian and historian, he says this. He says, While people must learn that suffering will be with us until the return of Christ, the kingdom of God advances through pain and power. God's not scared of the pain. He fully went after it in Jesus. Kingdom warriors remain undaunted by the defeat because in Christ, God rules as king. See, that's a given. That's a done. That's Psalm 24. It's done. Jesus is Lord. He's king. He, and, and he is most glorified when the church of Jesus advances in the midst of suffering. I'm just like, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> i got some terms for that, but I'm just going to hold that to myself. I want to be a part of something like that. <laughs> like fully brave and courageous and humble and welcoming of the grace of God. Friends, Pine Rivers Vineyard, God's called us here to be the people of Jesus who through a lifestyle of worship and mercy draw people into intimacy with Jesus Christ and to be a people of Jesus who through loving relationships heal and equip every disciple to advance the kingdom of God and in Pine Rivers and to the world. My new little bit of technology on my watch just told me it's time to stop. So we're going to pull up the stumps right there. But this morning, I said, to the, I said to the team that normally pray before the service and ask God for words of knowledge, I said, Hey, let's just do that together. Let's just, let's just bring what we're doing in the back room and just make it in the room. Let's just do some of that together this morning. So what we're going to just do for a moment is we're going to ask God for words of knowledge.